If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, one. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV on a glorious Monday. Summer is upon us, but hey, man. Tomorrow marks 59 days to the start of college football, 69 today for the start of FSU football, as we noted to begin the show. That in and of itself gets me excited knowing that soon that means camp gets going. Then we have real things that are happening all the cool things where you're like, oh, so-and-so was awesome yesterday. Hey, this position battle is really shaping up nicely. So just got to survive till then. I know also there's the thought, Tom, that uh, you and I are starting to look at that calendar closely. You've got vacation coming up. I got a little bit, but we both have a trip to Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. So that is uh, that that is on the radar now, officially. I look forward to that six-hour drive with you. That'll be good. I get there very quickly, don't I? It's remarkable how quickly I can get us to Charlotte. It is. It's almost like being in a helicopter. <laughs> I wish. I wish it were that quick. I did see something over the weekend uh, that made me laugh, speaking of like dangerous activities and all that. That's been on the mind since the uh, implosion of the submersible. But uh, And people who do that. You know, years ago, I called out the fraudulent industry of these uh, uh, these giant air balloons and, and how people are getting killed left and right, and that that's just not something you need to do. Did you see this? One of them caught fire again over in Europe. They still haven't learned the lesson. Caught fire? Caught fire. They're always hitting power lines. I don't know how difficult it is not to hit a damn obvious-ass power line, but, boy, they struggle. It seems inherent to the problem with these air balloons that somehow you don't steer them all that well. No, no. <laughs> I think it's more about up and down and yeah. steering left and I right. I think the, the steering part seems to be problematic because one would presume this is a professional operating this uh, air balloon. And the little basket we get it. My problem is I'd never do it. First of all, I'm afraid of heights. Secondly, 
Uh, it, it seems a little shaky. Third, it's been proven to be very, very shaky. And fourth, uh, I would tell you that uh, I just don't trust the other passengers. Like, what if you're in there with somebody who wants to, everybody to die? He's just like, screw it, tries to tip the basket. There you are. And you would act. You say to yourself, like, well, I would act. Nowadays, post 9-11, when you're on a plane, if somebody gets up and they're a little squirrely, every man on that plane is beating that dude's ass. They're going to die. These days, they whip out their phones because they know there's going to be a viral moment. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't take but two seconds once somebody stands up and says something crazy for people to be like, pap, pap, it's over. I'm not having this. Ever since the shoe guy, everybody's like, nope, 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 not having it. But, uh, but in a basket, you're screwed. Guy's like, hey, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? He's shaking the basket, and you want to step towards him, but you can't shake the basket more. You're in trouble. He's got say, you. No, no, he doesn't. Oh, Clearly, oh, clearly you want to fly. It. Clearly you want to know what it feels like to fly, sir. <laughs> so I'm going to help you. No, but see, it, then it's because of a wrestling match and the basket's shaking everywhere, and people are like, damn it, man. This is going to tip. Anyhow, if it doesn't, you're going to hit uh, wires and die. Jeff, email, if I'm not mistaken, team sent three players to the ACC kickoff last year, assuming that's still the case. Who does Norvell choose this year? I have no idea. We've actually thought about this and talked about this some behind the scenes. Like, it's not that big a deal. It is an off-season subject, but it is a tough call. Obviously, Jordan Trav, Travis is going. Uh, you would think Jared Verse is going. Uh, I, I, I would think. Those two uh, would be candidates to be uh, number one and two. And then from there, I don't know, man. Uh, w- would it be uh, Johnny Wilson? Would it be Trey Benson? Would it be a veteran who's been here a long time, has high hopes of having that breakout season because he's free of injury like Fabian? Yeah. I don't I don't know. They got yeah, they've got options there. I wonder if you would handicap it if there were future odds for this. We've wagered on almost everything. But Florida State announced just a, an hour or two ago that we're getting Jordan and Trey Benson on Wednesday for a little talk with the media just to discuss summer workouts and how those are gone. It's a little update. Good job, Florida State football, to give us content just mm-hmm. before the July 4th holiday. But I wonder if that means that Trey is not going? Or does that fortify the case that because Trey Benson is speaking with Jordan, that he would be the choice? Because it's got to be Jordan and Jared, 100%. Got to be. Yeah, and there are also, well, in the case of Jared Burse, you know, you kind of want him there. He's going to be funny. He's going to say, you know, he's going to say what he thinks. You'll get something out of him. That's an interview. Jordan's going to, again, talk about, you know, hard work, process, and all that. That's fine. That's what you want from your quarterback. He doesn't need to say anything salacious. And then from there, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've interviewed all of the guys that we just mentioned, and um, they're all good candidates. Trey's fun to talk to. Uh, Johnny Wilson's a little bit more stoic, kind of quiet, but thoughtful. P. Simpson suggests Robert Scott, which if he wasn't coming off of injury, I think that would be a good candidate. Because he's hilarious. Yeah. But I I don't even know if he's going to get his job back. So. Oh, well, yes. That's kind of a problem, you know? You're like, I don't know. You guys going to do any of the top, uh, like, 15 tonight? Is when we, What are we all got now? another panel. Vi- no, uh, we're going to break it out into individual videos for five through one. Mm-hmm. We've already got it broken out otherwise. The 20 through 16 list, which I believe we were on together with Corey. We are on that list together. Yeah. That, that comes out today? It went out. It is. Oh, out. I missed it. Yeah. Well, you you know, that's the beauty of Warchan TV. You don't ever have to. You, you go there, you grab over. it. You're like, there are those yep. s- silly gooses. Especially. There they are. Charlie Campbell. <laughs> I decided to break out the Charlie Campbell today. Oh, Jeff. 
you don't silly be a, goose don't you. Be a silly goose. Be a silly goose you. Yeah, there we are, 16 through 20. And uh, there wasn't, you know, listen, it's been fun. We've had uh, not arguments, but disagreements based around talent. Not, not just like throwing something against the wall and hoping it sticks. You're like, no, legitimately, that guy could be a top 15 player or he could be 30th. I don't know. There's just that many good players. Yeah, I think the debate we had, in fact, I know the debate we had, was about Josh Farmer versus Braden Fisk. You and I had Josh Farmer a lot higher on our list because of the known. And then Corey had Fisk Braden is the Fisk unknown, but yeah. Because he is a veteran who obviously looks the part of somebody who would play interior defensive line for Florida State. And he's, uh, and got, now, he's got the chops. One thing I really will say about that, I am really excited to see Braden Fisk. And because, again, when we were out there, uh, he could not participate fully due to the injury that he had at Western Michigan, and he was recovering from that. He's, he's going to be ready to go come fall camp. But all we could do is watch him race Mike Norvell the start of every day. It blew me away that a man who was every bit 300 pounds could run that fast. I mean, it is freakish. I mean, there is an exact example of why it is that, you know, like football has changed so dramatically from when I played in the 80s. You know, when you look at somebody now, nobody 300 pounds needs to run like that. He was going. Beat him several times. That should, I mean, Mike's older, obviously, but I mean, you know, Mike's a buck 90 or whatever he is. Yeah, even in some of the non-contact defensive line drills, which he could take part in, you could see the pursuit. You could. And you saw that he carries the weight really well. Like, he can get bigger. Yeah. He carries the weight exceptionally well. He's athletic is the point I'm making. Quick-footed. He looks the part. He looks intense, looks like he's excited to play, really ingratiated himself with his fellow defensive lineman, really in a way that you didn't think possible given that he couldn't participate in the actual drills. Yeah, if I'm speaking honestly about the perfect pairing defensive interior, if Daryl Jackson is maximized, mm. he and Braden Fisk together is a perfect one-two combo. Daryl is too big to not double, and then if Braden's in a one-on-one -on -one against a guard, he's so quick, that is just... That is terror to def to try and defend as an it, offensive line. A nightmare. A nightmare. They're <laughs> Again, they're good. The only thing I worry about along the defensive line is whether or not you have enough depth on the defensive end spot. I don't think you do. Uh, your, your two starters are really good. We'll see after that. Well, Braden's played out there. So he and Dennis Briggs could go flex on first and second down. You can play. absolutely flex with one of them to the outside. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's why I think this is going to have a better season than a lot of people think, speaking of the top 40. Um, because I think I think he's finally healthy, and I think he's you know he's versatile. Uh, you can do multiple things with him, and I think he's due to have a, a lot of guys. We're actually very fortunate when you're this far along with uh, a guy's career, they reach a make or break point, and a lot of our guys are coming into the season with money on the mind, and this these are the seasons where they've got to go out and put something on film that changes their financial fortunes. And they're all extremely motivated, as one would be in that scenario. They're healthy. Knock on wood, it stays that way. And there's competition for playing time. So you've got the perfect mix of ingredients for these guys to go out and play with their hair on fire and be a nightmare for opposing offensive lines because they're trying to compete against each other. They're trying to put good tape out there. They're trying to get paid, and they're physically gifted, and they're healthy. 
Uh, that is an exciting combination. But given that they're all trying to go get paid, the ACC kickoff in Charlotte is not a zero decision, you know, in terms of potential blowback. Like, I think a lot of guys would want to make that trip with Jordan and Jared. A lot of guys. Well, I think the way you do it, unless you have a, like, let's say in a given year, you have a bona fide superstar who happens to be a sophomore or a junior, you know, a guy that's an All-American, a guy that's going to go pro after that year, a guy that's, you know, a, a first-round pick. Barring that, you always side with the seniors. That's how you get out of it. You don't sure. have to, you know, you so say, well, Fabian. yeah. So it's Fabian. Well, you would say, you'd say, listen, I we would have, you're the caliber of player we're looking for to bring up there to the ACC kickoff, but we had to side with a, with a senior leader. That's how you can get out of it without getting in trouble. And most people would understand that. You're like, okay, he's been here longer. He's put it in time. Yep. So most then, people would. So we'll break the news then. It'll be Jordan, Jared, and Fabian Lovett. My man brought the Zaxby's in today. Do you, did you take a picture of the cup? Did you see that? I could bring it into this. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. Oop. Director oh. Matthew, yeah. There Ooh, we go. There we go, Zaxby's. Look at that. I've been uh, dipping on some fries here during the breaks. Zaxby's here in Tallahassee. Proud Golden Chief Boosters for over 18 years. Home to the best chicken sandwich available. Amongst many other things, those platters are delicious too. And the Zax sauce, especially the spicy Zax sauce. Time very, savers. very delectable. Time savers. I know there are times when we want to go out, we want to procure food for everybody, but that's just an excuse to take some extra me time. So if it takes a little longer to prepare, you don't want to go to Zaxby's in that situation because Zaxby's <laughs> prepares them quick, it's easy, it's turnkey, and that's what you want for all your picnics, your pool parties. Absolutely. Maybe the fourth, the weekend. You're going to be barbecuing so much, you're going to need a meal off or a night off. I did, some, bar I did some grilling over the weekend uh, for me and the wife. Kids were out of town. It was just me and her. I grilled it up. Also, speaking of pool parties, stopped by and saw a good friend of ours, Metro Deli's, Rob. I couldn't. And uh, there were a lot of fine folks out there at that pool party. He always throws a great shindig, and uh, I was I was happy to be invited. But, you know, this is uh, this is another good indicator, Tom, as we sat around the pool having a nice cold beer, talking about the future. We were hyper-focused on Florida State football and talking about the games we're going to, the trips we're going to take. The places we're going to meet our loved ones to which away games do we want to be at? You and I can obviously pick and choose at those. I think I think we've talked about going up to Clemson, going up to Pittsburgh perhaps as well. Who knows? I'd love to be up at Pittsburgh for a a, a cool November game. Yeah, that's with, a nice with, weekend. With something on the line, with something that matters. By November, there will be several we'll playoff shows. Yeah, we'll see what Florida State's ranking is with the committee. If we do what we're supposed to do, it's been so strange to watch college football and have no thought about where people are ranked because it hasn't mattered to us one iota. Other than like we want to see justice done in the college football world, but yeah, I mean, like if for the most part, you've just kind of been sitting around going, eh, it doesn't really affect us no. in any way, shape, we're, or form. We're, we're going to have to watch that farce this year if we do what we what we're supposed to do. We're going to have to watch that farce uh, for October, November. We don't have well, to take it serious. But you don't we have do to watch the whole program, but you got to sit through the five minutes of BS before they roll out the, the rankings. Unless they put it on the bottom line early, even though it's completely secret and not known before the show starts. But hopefully they'll just leak during 6 o'clock Sports Center and we're covered. <laughs> I just hope we make it a moot point. I just hope that we win. If you win both these games, the first, the two of the four, 
two of your first four, you got to obviously win the other two. That's a given. But you have LSU and Clemson. If you win both those games, then you really don't need to watch that show. You're in. As long as you don't lose the final game in the ACC championship when you rematch Clemson in all likelihood. Unless North Carolina pieces it together finally. No, that's true. That's 100% true. If you were to go 4-0 and yeah. and September is once again a in, bright spot for Florida State. In September, if we finish September 4-0, and you're going to the college football playoff as long as you don't lose the ACC championship game. And maybe if you do, as long as you win maybe, all 12 of your yeah, regular season. Yeah, games. yeah, maybe if you do. That's a big if. But, I mean, you can settle things. Just like I said in the first hour about whether or not we're physical enough, whether or not we're tough enough, physical enough defensively, are we able to handle it? For teams that want to line up and bully us, LSU's a great test right out the gate, so you don't have to wait long to get an answer to that question. Just like you don't have to wait very long to get an answer to the question of whether or not we're good enough and do we belong. Well, you beat Clemson on the road and you beat LSU in that game in Orlando, you belong. You're good. You're in good shape. It takes something weird. June 26th. How do you feel? September's record. Not W's and L's. You don't have to say which game. 3-1? and one? Yeah, I feel like 3-1, and one, but I wouldn't be surprised with 4-0. Oh. Woo! I wouldn't be. I think they're going to be good, man. I think they're really good. I've told people that this year. I think they're really good. Um, the, the, the thing that I try to do when I have the conversation about whether we're really good or not is say, yeah, we're really good. Now, there's a whole other level to winning a national championship, and we're not on par right now, uh, and we haven't been recruiting in the same way that Georgia does, in the same way that Ohio State has. And, you know, so that that's problematic. I mean, I you wouldn't favor Florida State to beat Alabama if they played tomorrow. You wouldn't favor Florida State to beat Georgia if they played tomorrow. You wouldn't favor Florida State to beat Ohio State if they played tomorrow. So there, there are teams ahead of us. I'm not saying we're the best team in college football, but are we the best team in the ACC? That might, well, A, we're going to be able to prove that one way or the other. Uh, B, it seems like a reasonable discussion to have. I think Florida State belongs in that conversation. Are they the best team in the ACC? Yeah, I think you can make an argument they are. Even if you don't think they are, even if you think Clemson still is, you don't find it absurd to posit the idea that Florida State is the best team in the ACC. So that shows you just how good they are. And then the league is weak. So you play a bunch of teams that you are better than. You're physically better than. And I think this is a well-coached football team. I, I think that Mike Norvell is a very good football coach. You're not like Alex Atkins is a very good football coach. Uh, schematically, they don't, you know, they don't put you behind the eight ball when you go out there and fa face teams with uh, reasonable skill. They don't ever do anything without having several answers behind it. It's never a one-off. Yeah. There's always a greater purpose to what they do. Again, the whole season, I'll do it again and again and again, and I'm going to keep doing it. The whole season's whether or not your defense is rising to the place where we can talk about them in the same breath as the offense. Do do, do we get oh, to a— Oh, God, if they're ever in the same breath as the offense. Well, I'm saying, yeah. look, I, I, I think— it's not a Lincoln Riley defense, though. <laughs> it's not like a sieve. It's just got to be pretty good for you to win 10, 11 games. If it's real good, if it's like legitimately good, it changes the nature of the conversation. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, so this is really cool and probably got largely unnoticed, and I understand why it would. Irish Chappelle, by the way, will join us in about four minutes or so. But before he does, let me get this out here and say a hearty congratulations to one of Florida State's own, John Pack, who uh, was an unreal golfer at Florida State. Uh, we've, we've mentioned John Pack before. I've had him on the air years ago. 
Um, he, he got a win on the Canadian tour, and that's going to be important. He uh, had wrist surgery not all that long ago, and, you know, frankly, since leaving Florida State, turning pro, trying to make it on the PGA Tour, uh, he has struggled some, partly due to injury. Uh, but he finished 21 under at the uh, Saskatchewan Open there at uh, Elk Ridge, and that is uh, PGA Tour Canada. And it's his first ever professional victory. And by the way, uh, if you shoot a 63 in the final round in order to procure said victory, that is doing some things. And that's exactly what he did. And so I just want to say congratulations to him. I had him on the SiriusXM show, had him on, came into the studio and hung out. He and his girlfriend walked in and they hung out for like 30 minutes after we were done. And we just talked all things golf. And so I really root for this guy. Obviously, you know what he did at Florida State from 2017 through 2021. Uh, he won eight times, tied for the most in program history. Uh, he won the Jack Nicholas Award. He won the Ben Hogan Award, the Fred Haskins Award. Uh, he was the first guy in the inaugural PGA Tour University class that year. He finished uh, first in that. Uh, he's the only Knoll to earn first-team All-American honors twice in their career. So we thought the segue into the, onto the PGA Tour would be a little bit easier uh, than it has been for him. Uh, but again, that wrist injury that he had to have surgery on kind of set him back. He was really struggling with that. He's not terribly long off the tee, so I think losing distance there was hurting him. But he gets a win now. And, uh, you know, is that is that an elite tour? No. Is it a professional tour? Yes. And if you win those events, do you get opportunities elsewhere? You do. So good good for you, John Pack. That's how a five-time major champion from Florida State made his way. It wasn't traditional. John had an inside track. It didn't work out initially, but you never know. This could be the start of something. Man, he's so cool, man. I, I don't know if you've seen the video. Uh, it, good for him. He was emotional. Uh, he was talking because he when you have wrist surgery and you're a golfer, you know. I mean, anything where you're swinging a bat or a club, you have wrist surgery. It's scary. And uh, he kind of started getting choked up when he was sitting there. And the, the, the interviewer asked him about his parents and about the trip back and coming off the surgery. And you could see it was getting to be a little overwhelming. His dad's intense as can be. Haven't Woo! been out to a couple of those yeah. events. You know, if the puck goes in, you hear, yeah! like, that's it. And then nothing else. <laughs> and then his dad marches onto the tee box. We got Ira? We do. Awesome. It's you and him tonight, right, on the Smash? That is correct. Looking forward to it. Don't forget, everybody, tonight, 7 o'clock, the Monday Smash. This time around, it is, it's always Ira, but uh, this time around, it's Tom with him. And I think they'll probably talk some about recruiting. Ira, I know you were out there over the weekend, buddy, braving the heat. That's nuts. <laughs> what are you doing out there? We got guys who do recruiting, Ira. You tell those boys to get out there and do their damn job. Jeff, they had 14 official visitors, but sometimes, sometimes they got to call the old crafty left-hander off. <laughs> and you provided. Uh, it sounds like the weekend went well. I know most people are wringing hands because they didn't get an official you know, verbal commit or anything like that, but it does sound like everything reporting is that it went well and that they made strides with a lot of these guys and that it won't be too long. Maybe in July we'll start hearing uh, verbal commits to Florida State. Is that, that about sum it up? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, and again, like if you think about the way recruiting has evolved over the years, you know, not just the calendar, but, you know, it started, I don't know, man, it seems like it started, you know, seven, eight years ago where coaches started kind of orchestrating, like, when kids commit. And uh, and sometimes the kids do it themselves. They have reasons for why they want to announce what they want to announce. Um, but, you know, a lot of times now coaches like to orchestrate it. It wasn't a – I don't think it was a totally um, – bizarre set of circumstances that led to Florida having seven or eight commitments in a cluster there 
uh, you know, last week. And I think Florida State's going to have their guys who, who are ready to commit, probably commit uh, in July. It sounds like a lot of them are going to announce around July 4th, the first few days of July. So I think um, that's what's going to happen. I don't think this was a weekend where everybody left and just said, oh, thanks for the uh, the visit. Right. We'll, uh, we'll see you later. I think they got some some good words from some players, but we won't get the announcements probably for a, for another week or two. I don't know offhand uh, what you heard out there or how much you delved into it. Like for me, and I, this is very specific to me. I always look at the, the the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hearing like everybody else is that we're real good for Danzy, the running back out of Tallahassee. But I don't turn my attention there. I turn my attention instead to Jonathan Daniels. So, of those guys, Daniels. And Holmes, who's the defensive end, uh, you know, those are the guys, I, I guess, uh, Hilton, uh, those kinds of players. Are we hearing good things? We feel good about that? I do think so. Um, and, you know, it's funny listening to just some of the comments from the other recruits, like Camden Fryer, Matt Fryer's son. Yeah. Uh, who's committed to Florida State. And he said, you know, he was, he said he and uh, Luke Crumenhawk, the quarterback commit, were talking to Ty Hilton, and they're saying, look, man, they're basically like make not making fun of the other schools he's considering, but like, come on, dude, what are you doing here? Because, you know, he's, he's not the highest rated recruit, but but Alex Atkins really likes him, and Florida State wants him. But Florida State's by far, um, you know, the most attractive school that he's considering, and and uh, so there's some of that from the the kids who are committed are just like saying to these other kids, look, look man, what do you do? What, why are you messing around? Why are you waiting? Let's go ahead and jump on this. And it's Jonathan Daniels. I mean, I think you know the, <laughs> there was a funny interaction on social media. Where uh, one of the guys who does the graphics, Hayes Fawcett for On Three, does the graphics for kids when they commit the edits, and uh, he put out a tweet basically saying, you know, if you guys need any recruits need edits, let me know. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Daniels responded and said, hey, hit me up, I need information. So that's that's probably a good sign coming off of his Florida State visit uh, that he's uh, looking for his edits. So yeah, I mean, I think they're in good shape with those guys, and um, you know, defense is what everybody's kind of panicking about because they don't have a lot of defense commitments. And they didn't have a lot of defensive guys in this weekend. Um, but, you know, I still think there's plenty of time, and I don't think it's uh, anything. I, I don't get any sense that the, the staff is uh, overly concerned. I'd be excited if they could get D.D. Holmes. Uh, and, you know, and you you always hold out hope. I mean, I, this is not my cup of tea, of course, but I always pay attention to recruiting. One thing that's developed over the years is you recognize there are areas of the country where you have a real good shot at stealing kids in other areas where you go, hmm, I'm not so sure we're going to be able to wrestle that one away. They seem to be a little right. bit more committed in that state. Were you? Are you surprised by, you know, I mean, there are three prominent Georgia kids that were in this weekend. Uh, the Reagans kid, uh, the Fox kid, who I don't like, uh, and and the Solomon kid. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, do, do you, I guess I'll ask your opinion. Uh, do you think they get any of the Georgia kids? Uh, I think they could. I mean, Alex Atkins has done a great job in Georgia uh, through the years. He's got a very good, a lot of connections there. They have other coaches on the staff uh, who do as well. Um, you know, those guys definitely seem strongly interested. I, I don't know whether I'd say that they're definitely committing or not. Um, but uh, <clears throat> but like you said, you know, they also have a couple of kids out of Maryland. Um, and that's yeah. an area where Florida State traditionally has done well. They've got a D.D. Uh, Holmes in Washington, D.C., that D.C., Maryland area. And then also – uh, the receiver Elijah Moore um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. said to be strongly considering Ohio State. He now says Florida State's his leader, and you know Odell's always done a great job up in that part of the country. And Florida State's had a lot of success in that D.C. when Jimbo was here, and even before that, they had a lot of success in that D.C. Maryland Virginia area. And um, you know, so I think it's uh, I think it was a successful weekend overall. I just don't know for sure which ones of those guys. Well, damn it, man, you can't can't do that. I need you to come on here and tell me D.D. Holmes is good to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and for those that don't know, uh, to Iris' point, the DC kid, I bring him up a lot because he's he's your prototype. When you look at him, he's six six two fifty. I mean, that's yes, man. That plays a defensive end. I, I I like that, and it's odd to me that it, it. And he's a smart kid. He's interesting to listen to talk, but it's odd to me that he's you know you, Rutgers is high on his list. Now maybe that's again that he's kind of you know maybe. Uh, kind of unique because it's us in South Carolina, maybe Penn State, but it's Rutgers is next on that list. We got to be able to out recruit Rutgers, damn it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think South Carolina is probably the bigger concern, right? And uh, you know, but look, man, I think that they're uh, they're probably in good shape there. And I think you know when you look at the physical sizes of those guys, and that's the, you know the I think it's just a good point. Looking at him and Jonathan Daniels is another guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of the you know recruiting sites out there had him listed at six two or six three and. There's he there's kind of evaluations all over the map for him. Some sites have him as a three star uh, on three, which we're affiliated with, has him as a five star. Uh, looking at him next to Luke Cromenhawk in that picture uh, made me much more interested in Jonathan Daniels. I mean, he dwarfs Luke Cromenhawk, and Luke Cromenhawk's six three, six four. He's a, he's not a small. He made him look like a middle schooler. Uh, so he's got to be six five and really got a great frame. So yeah, man, they they bring in the right kind of body types for sure. Yeah, and oh, by the way, you're recruiting against Miami, Georgia, and Kentucky for him. And, you know, that's a nice list. And it does seem likely that Florida State will get him. Uh, I did, it's, you're a mind reader, Ira. I pulled that up because I know that On Three has him as a five star. Uh, one of the other uh, networks has him as a three star, as you said. It is a weird mix of um, evaluations for him. I've seen, when I pulled him up over the last 24 hours, six, four and a half. And I've seen six two. That's crazy. How could you be two and a half inches off? Well, I mean that's yeah. that's strange. Yeah, and when you see the picture, it's obvious that he's he's six four and a half or six five. Because um, you know, again, Luke Romanoff's not a small guy, and he he's towering over him. Um, I think it's a. I think he's a guy that's kind of gotten a, a little bit late on the national uh, radar. You know, Florida State was kind of in on him early, and uh, you know, and I think some of the evaluations from on three's perspective is probably projecting. Uh, looking at his frame, looking at what he's done so far, and seeing what he's going to be, uh, whereas maybe other outlets are kind of focusing on what he's done so far. So, um, but man, you know, again, physically, and then just a, you know, just sharp kid, very smart kid. Alex Atkins has a great relationship with him. Uh, I think there's a chance he could end up being a huge one if, if Florida State gets him. I don't. We got asked earlier in the show. I don't know the answer, and if you do, uh, it'll. I mean, you know, I don't know if you're free to say it. But why didn't Jordan pass at the Manning Academy? He had a, a dental issue. Uh, oh, okay. Last week. And um, yeah, so he wasn't feeling good. In fact, I, you know, I give him credit for you know talking to Aslan. He talked to Aslan for about ten minutes. Yeah. You could notice he was kind of uh, uh, favoring his his one side of his mouth a little bit. Yeah, I think he was having a little bit of a dental issue, and. Um, you know, just life happens. But, um, you know, that wasn't the focus of that event anyway. I think the biggest thing is, you know, getting a chance to be around uh, the other, you know, the, the Mannings, obviously. they got to, He got to listen to them talk and their presentation and then also be around some of the other guys and then, you know, sign autographs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it would have been nice if he could have thrown. I think he, I think he was going to. Um, but, yeah, he had a dental issue. Well, that actually will quell fears. Um, you know, I, I had heard rumors. I didn't know anything about it, but I knew that two, two or three people asked about it. So I thought, well, maybe maybe we could find out something that Olay fears, that it's not an arm issue, it's not a leg issue. His teeth hurt. His teeth hurt, damn it. Everybody's had that happen. I actually just thought it was cool that he got to go do that, and it reflected yet again just how far he's come. I mean, 
from a kid who's buried on the depth chart who doesn't look like a real quarterback to a kid who's now a Heisman candidate going to get drafted and is the unquestioned leader of Florida State football team. That's just a cool story that we've been able to cover. Yeah, it really is, man. And even, you know, and again, I know she's not everybody's favorite, but uh, Heather Dinich, I guess, <laughs> last night, she, she, last week, she could see Jordan Travis as the, as the Heisman Trophy winner. And, and again, you know, I mean, I think, you know, preseason, summer expectations don't mean a whole lot, especially once the year starts. Uh, but it, like you said, it's cool. I mean, this is, is uh, cool. Corey wrote about Corey wrote about it over the weekend that you know two or three years ago Jordan Travis was languishing on the bench behind Alex Hornibrook and James Blackman, and and it wasn't like he was just a true freshman. He'd been in college a couple of years, and so uh, it's really uh, it's one of the all time great stories of a quarterback who kind of became something that nobody really would have expected. It is the greatest transformation at that position that I've ever seen any individual make. Um, it is it, it is by far the person who's come the furthest in their ability to do all the things we ask of quarterbacks. Uh, I've never seen anybody come as far as he has. It's really quite amazing to see that turnaround. Ira, appreciate it. I'll be watching tonight, brother. Be good. Thanks, Jeff. See you, man. Yep, take care. Ira Chaffel, Tom Lang, tonight, the Monday Smash, 7 o'clock. I'm going to ask him who he would send as his third Florida State Seminole to uh, Charlotte. See what he says. His third? Um, yeah, to the kickoff. Yeah. Fitzgerald? I think your answer about Fabian is the one that holds the most water. Even though he's a transfer, he was a transfer a million years ago. Yeah, he's been here for he's a long time. He's been here. He came back for an extra season. It is two defensive linemen that you're sending, though. That would be interesting. A lot of times, teams want to send their skill position guys. I would go, if I were selecting, Jordan Travis... Jared Verse, linebacker Brian Courtney. You could you could use that platform to make the announcement that Courtney, rightfully as predicted by the wildly popular host of the Jeff Cameron Show, uh, is moving to linebacker. He's got a suit and tie and a neck roll underneath the shirt. <laughs> uh, I don't know. See, I, I want to say like Johnny Wilson has you, become kind of a star, but you said Keon Coleman is. Who I you think said. I probably. <laughs> Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Damn it, man. I was looking to see, and uh, I saw the quote there, that uh, <laughs> a wide receiver, Ryan Williams, five-star kid going to Alabama, about Nick Saban. Saban told me he'll coach until he croaks. Come on, man. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. I knew it, though. I knew when a couple years ago, was that the 60 minutes or the 2020, whatever it was, feature on him when they're out at the lake. And he... He was talking about, well, you know, they had just won another national championship, and the person, whoever did that, asked him the question about, when's enough? How many do you have to win? How many championships? He's like, oh, no, it's never been about that. You're like, oh, okay. He really is addicted to working. I think that's it. He, yep. he really is addicted to working, and that's, listen, again, if you're a university and you hire a guy that, uh, you, you know, you hope leads your program to national championships and puts you consistently in the mix. It, it's nice to, to know that you're paying a man rather handsomely 
who will never be outworked and is actually addicted not to winning but working. It's a good deal. Not you, even addicted to helping young men. No, it's just a working. It's just a working. It's like, listen, along the way, those young men will be helped by my great work ethic. They will get to see what it means to really work. You're nuts. You're nuts. But, I mean, obviously you're the best. <laughs> hey, man, he's lost four games last two years. Take that. Which seems like a tragedy. Like, that's insane, the thought of it, right? And he went to one of his favorite places. We recall this the year that we won the national title. He was out at the Sugar Bowl this year for a game that did not mean anything. Did not mean a thing. That's right. His favorite thing to do, go to the Sugar Bowl. Remember how mad he was when Utah beat him that year? It was the fans' fault. Yeah, he blamed the fans for taking for granted their successes and not showing up at that game since it didn't really matter all that much. Fans let him down, and they fell short. This is what can happen when you slip. All right, our players didn't get beat today by the other players. They got beat by you, the fans. <laughs> you sorry pieces of garbage. Oh, man. Yeah. No, but he's... I think I think he's truthful when he talks about being addicted to the grind and wanting to work. You know where he gets it right and where it 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 appears yet again Jimbo everywhere. Gets it, well, no, it appears yet again where Jimbo's going to get it wrong is that there there has to be okay, so there doesn't have to be a balance in your life. Clearly there's not. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that you know you have you're you're well balanced in all your relationships whatever. You just can't lose the locker room. Like, whatever you do has to be consistent with the way that the program operates to the point where everybody understands that you believe it because you do it on a daily basis. If you don't and you preach it to that degree of intensity and there is that much expected of each individual within the organization on a daily basis, something that could grow very tiring if, uh, if you didn't lead by example, then the whole thing falls to pieces. And that's what's happened with Jimbo here. It's what's going to happen at Texas A&M. You get the sense they're on the cusp of a disastrous year. And, oh, by the way, I'm not going to pile on here. That's a tragic story. Uh, they lose their defensive line coach, Terry Price. He died over the weekend. He was just 55 years old. Um, that's awful. That's uh, not, you know, I'm not trying to add to the woes. But Texas A&M's got a lot of problems, and this feels dysfunctional from what you read. It clearly... The same thing's happening there that happened here, only he didn't have the same success. No, and um, just from a football standpoint, that's his ace recruiter, one of his ace recruiters. So that's, um, you know, beyond the yeah, obvious the tragedy obvious, yeah. that they're feeling there right mm -hmm. now, that's, right. that's not ideal from a football standpoint. No, from, yeah, no. So for, on a personal level, that's devastating. On a, on a, on a football level, that's awful. You, yeah, like you said, he's considered to be an elite recruiter. So I, I don't know. I, again, we separate these things. But things weren't moving in the right direction to begin with, and they just have a tragedy thrown into it. And it can't certainly not going to help. So is is Alabama though? Back to Nick quickly. Are are they going to fix their defense? I'm I'm telling you. Well, yes, they'll do it by having better recruiting and I mean better players, I should say, because they do out recruit everybody just about. Um, I would think that that that'll get remedied as much as it can be remedied. I just I also just think that uh, again. We, we've seen the measure of a defense greatly skewed by the stupid rules in college football that allow offensive linemen to go downfield on pass plays. 
And you cannot play elite defense when offenses are allowed to cheat. And offenses are allowed to cheat. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying that Bryce Young single-handedly put him in a position that they only lost two games last year. And that's if right. it's not for Bryce Young singularly, maybe Caleb Williams could have done the same. Maybe? I'm not sure. They could have lost four or five. Yeah, they couldn't get stops. Yeah, no, they struggled last year. Um, uh, my guess is they have a loaded roster again this year. Whatever adjustments they need to make, they'll make, and they'll probably be really good. Uh, it is all relative, though, again, about the defense. I mean, we don't see the defenses of yesteryear. Like, those dominant Florida State defenses that we all admire, Derek Brooks, Marvin Jones, those guys, Reynard Wilson and God, Andre Wadsworth, and just year after year of bludgeoning offensive players, it just doesn't exist anymore in the game. You Now, that, that superhuman team that Georgia had, which is, again, a couple years ago, maybe the greatest defense to ever line up. Uh, it takes having every, you know, it takes every starter to be hungry, angry, and first-round talent for that to translate into uh, a season where you could call it dominant. Most of the time, if you're missing any one thing, it gets exploited anymore uh, with the rules, like I talk about, and how offenses kind of just rule the sport. We see it all the time. It's you're not going to see that 2002 Bucks defense or the Ravens defense. Obviously, the the '86 Bears, like those those teams, like you're not you're not going to see that anymore. The game is just no. skewed so offensive. No, the the closest thing you could see from any of those teams would be the O2 Bucks defense because it was built more on speed, and that's what it has to be about. Well, that's why speed everybody covered. That's why that's why linebacker has kind of dissolved into a place of uh you know not obscurity, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as it once did. First of all, we don't see three linebackers on the field all that often anymore. You know, it's kind of standard to see a four-two-five, and nowadays you're talking about you know, people talking about having you know seven defensive backs in the in the game at any one time. It's it's crazy what we have three one seven or something. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing with uh, you got basically like rovers almost at linebacker. You might have one thumper, one interior guy that you need to handle first and second down. But I mean, even this season, I think that's the football is in a place now where it's good. Florida State that you don't need more than a couple linebackers at given. Well, yeah, moment. because we don't have them. We could play with one on the field if we needed to this year. Yeah. We could. That's where I wish one particular player that went to Colorado did not leave here because I thought it was a good fit for coverage in the modern game. But maybe Blake Nicholson, another guy we're excited to watch in camp. It's just hard to ask a true freshman in a year where you have aspirations of winning a title or winning a conference title, whatever you want to set that at. Those expect young, him to play a lot. But those young guys can be specialists. Yeah. You know, if yeah. it's a cover specialist it's and it's third and whatever, yeah. you could take Bethune off the field in that situation and say, all right, we're going to need you big shooter. Yeah. Here's, you know, yeah. six third down situations that you don't have to be on the field. Those six plays could add up and put you in a better shot. And he you know. said he likes to cover. That That's a strength of his game. Yeah. Okay. I want to thank our friends at Power Mill Training Academy, equipping young athletes who are focused on baseball and softball with specific tools to reach their true potential. Got camps going on right now throughout the summer. Go find out about those, whether it's softball or baseball. Obviously, they're going to train uh, your youngins to play the game a little bit more proficiently and have uh, more fun doing it as they have the tools to have fun this season, the upcoming baseball or softball season. So that's uh, PowerMillSports.com, if you would. Probable's time. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Reds, Orioles, Brandon Williamson, Cole, Urban Brewers, Mets, Colin Ray, Justin Verlander. 
Twins, Braves, Sonny Gray, Spencer Strider, Tigers, Rangers, Matthew Boyd, Andrew Haney. By the way, the uh, Braves-Reds series this past weekend was phenomenal. White Sox, Angels, Dylan Cease, Reed Detmers, Nationals, Mariners, Trevor Williams, Luis Castillo. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Watched a lot of baseball over the weekend. My Pirates had a wonderful series with the Marlins in which we lost three of four despite, uh, I think, Team ERA was something under two. Mm, Fun losing games like that. Nothing like losing two to nothing. Two to one, one to uh, nothing. Arias hit a home run, the outlier yeah. of outliers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tied it in the ninth, lost an extra innings because we don't, yeah, we don't score. We can't. It's just so frustrating. It's okay. I'll be watching uh, tonight's national championship contest at seven o'clock ESPN, and you guys will be on my computer. Oh, really? Yeah, I have to, on I, the computer. I, I watch the smash. I put the smash on my laptop. I watch the baseball in the background, LSU Florida, and then I. That's about it. I thought you were talking about the Mets initially. I'm, I'm thinking, why? why oh, no, 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 us? no, no. I saw you guys uh, give away a game yesterday. That was hilarious. That's, you know me. Uh, I'm a Walter Subcheck, calmer than you are, usually with mm, baseball. I'm, watching I'm, that eighth inning. I'm a very calm guy. It's time. He can be fired now. It's okay. We can do it. He was trying to rest your better arms. He needed to rest them. These yes. guys should surely be able to get you out of it. Uh, yes, you've got your primary setup man who's not very good. But anyway, your primary setup man saying he was available, even though the manager said he wasn't. And he wanted to save our closer for the ninth inning. What do you want me to do? I needed him for the ninth. But I will tell you, the uh, you got a, dub- a tailor-made double play ball that uh, was butchered, too. So We don't sit anybody when they screw up, either. <laughs> so he can go. It's time. Good work out of you. Good work, Director Matthew. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Don't forget to smash tonight. War Chant TV, 7 o'clock. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow on Seminole Headlines. Peace.